Thank you, Jan and team. I so appreciate each and every week as you help enhance um, the beauty of our worship. It's as if um, you really do help usher us in and help us see who God is, what He is doing. It's a beautiful expression, and I'm very, very grateful for the part that you play in that. Well, good morning. Trust that you've had a, uh, a good week. Uh, crazy week. It was freezing at the beginning of the week and uh, couldn't get warm. And, uh, hey, it's balmy outside. A little sticky, you know, but, uh, but, but balmy, just un- unbelievable. And then all that rain and the snow melting and everything, um, it, it sort of made me want to, uh, to be in summer. <laughs> and that's kind of funny for me because I enjoy the, 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 the cooler weather. As I was thinking about... Um, what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you, um, the weather played a part in that and bringing me to images of summer and, and my childhood. And I know you love to hear stories of uh, when I was a little kid, so I, I thought I'd share another one with you uh, this morning. As uh, growing up in Florida, uh, a lot of people, whenever, whenever we, I tell people that I'm from Florida, they're just like, you don't sound like you're from Florida. Well, I spent a whole lot of years in Tennessee and North Carolina, and so I have this uh, a little bit of a southern accent. It's not as strong as my lovely wife's uh, accent. Um, but uh, and then I have people say, well, that's not really the South anyway. So, and, and that's a completely different, uh, different conversation. But uh, whenever I tell people that I'm, I'm from Florida, they, they're just like, oh, it must be so nice down there. You know, and, and they have images of the beach and palm trees and, and cool breezes blowing. Well, that's not where I grew up. I grew up in the heart of Florida. If you're to take your hand, this is the shape of Florida. And if you're just to point to the very middle, that's where I grew up. There is no air there. There are no breezes. There are no cool anything uh, there. Maybe this time of year it's a little cool, but... The heart of Florida, where there is nothing but mosquitoes and sweat and humidity. There used to be tons of orange groves and uh, sand and sweat and humidity, and you get the idea. So it, I was so glad the first time I took a trip and realized that there was other places that had seasons. It was just, oh, wow. You know, Florida, the seasons in Florida, it's like summer, it's hot fall, it's less hot. Winter is a little bit less hot. And then it turns kind of cool, but because of all the humidity where we are, it's like freezing. It's like the cold goes right through you and you're not prepared. You don't have clothes for that. So it's this hot, cold, and and then it's over and then it's hot again in spring. And so, uh, and there, the, 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 the trees turn from dark green to light green and back. And I love the seasons and I love fall and walking through the crunching leaves and, and, and having a, 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 a fire pit and enjoying that. You know, a fire pit in Florida is just like, well, you got to stand 30 feet away from it. You can't enjoy it. It's, 
But there is a strip of Florida about two blocks in width all the way around the peninsula of Florida that's absolutely gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. Just a wonderful spot, nice breezes, close to to the water, and I love that. And every year our family would go away to a, a spot, maybe an hour or two, depending on where we were going, for vacation. And as I was grow up, um, every year I would go there. One of my favorite things to do was to build sandcastles right there on the beach. And uh, I remember as a little guy, um, I, remember, I, I, really, I clearly remember the first time that mom bought me a, uh, uh, a bag of toys, but they were like sandcastle molds that came in a, a little, you know, a, a bag. That was the most awesome thing because I didn't have to shape stuff. You just shove the, shove the, the sand in there and plop it down, and, uh, and, and you had an instant, you know, really, really cool sandcastle. The only problem was um, I always loved, I loved to be in the water, and I love to build sandcastles, and every time that I would build, as a, as, a, as a kid, I remember being so frustrated by this, I would build this sandcastle, and just a couple hours later, it was gone. Why was that? Because the ocean would come in, and the tide would come in, and would wash it away. And so I remember clearly one year preparing to stop the tide. I made dad bring his, like, re- the real shovel, not the plastic shovel, but dad, you know, dad, please bring this. You have to bring this. And so uh, he actually, it was actually a, a, a spade, you know, the half shovel kind of dealy with a handle. And, but it was real. It's metal, you know, whatnot. And uh, I was absolutely determined. I, I, if, I figured, hey, if I moved it five feet further in, something like that, that was a long way. Um, that it was going to stop. And if I dug a big enough trench around, it would be a cool moat to have around, you know, my castle. And uh, so I dug and dug and dug, you know, dug through the sand and then dug through all the broken, all the broken shells and all that. And it was, the more I dug, the more water came up into it. And it was, it was really frustrating. And so I figured, oh, well, if I move it back a little bit further, and I kept moving back and back and back. And finally, I got to where I found a spot where water wasn't immediately rushing back up into my moat. And it was just perfect. And this thing was going to last all week and it was going to be great lasted a couple, maybe about four hours, and my sandcastle was gone. And as a little kid, I remember thinking, this really stinks. I am working and working and working and trying to make this beautiful sandcastle, this work of art. I don't know why I was doing it, because I, I really love to do it, but I'm, I'm doing this, but it, it's useless. I can't do it. And I remember feeling that frustration and that rub. It taught me a couple of lessons. And what probably one of the the, the biggest lessons was that, you know, some things in life, it's just useless to try. You know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you expect the different result. It's a definition of insanity. To, to continue to repeat things over and over and over and over again and doing it the same way and expecting something to go different, it's useless. 
Well, as I was preparing and thinking along those lines, I had a particular passage in Scripture that the Lord was speaking to me on. And this thought kept coming to me over and over again, that life without God is senseless. Life without God is absolutely senseless. It makes just as much sense to try and live our life, to live your life, to live my life without God. It makes as much sense as it did for me as a little boy to think I could stop the ocean with my spade. Big dreams, a lot of plan, and at that time, a lot of work. But in reality, I could see my mom and dad smiling at me. Hey, go at it, buddy, you know. Enjoy yourself. It's not going to work. It's pointless. It's senseless to keep digging over and over and over again to think that my plans and the, the little kingdom that I built was going to survive a little bit of water. Actually, a whole bunch of water, the, the, the Atlantic or the Gulf, depending on where we were. And life without God is senseless. And this morning, I'd like to, to, to just paint a couple of pictures, and I want us to go to the Scriptures and think about the work that God has given us. And men, we have this way of, 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 of doing things. You know, I, I'm going to speak to men particularly uh, here for a, a little bit. We can, can do that. It's ingrained in us. Uh, here, I'm a little boy, and I'm going to fix this thing. And we think that if we work hard enough and we strive hard enough, we will figure out how to do things. And, and what we don't understand and what we don't realize is that many times our working and our striving can put us in crazy places. And we will think and we will connive and we'll work and try and figure out, hey, if, if I do this and this and this, it'll work. My plans for working generally go that way. I'll figure it out. But a lot of times I found myself in a very dangerous spot doing things as simple as trying to paint the ceiling. No, that's not me. That's some other idiot man trying to do something. (laughs) But trying to do things on our own is really crazy. We can find ourselves in absolutely situations that are volatile. Something could blow up. Something could go really, really bad. And a lot of times, we're completely oblivious. Men, particularly, we're just like, hey, Marge, can you take a picture? Something's going on around here. Take a picture. I think this is really, really cool. And it's dangerous. And so if life work is to really make sense... I want to challenge you to think this way this morning with you. If life's work is to really make sense, it must have its foundation upon Christ. 
And I want you to turn, I invite you to take your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there's one near you. There'll be a Red Pew Bible there. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift for you today. Happy 2014. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. We'll give it to you. Uh, love, love for you to have that and experience the life of God within its pages. But I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book... <coughs> Excuse me, the book of Psalms. Psalms is right in the middle. If you just open it up right in the middle, you'll, you'll pretty much hit it there. Psalms, Psalms has a whole bunch of chapters in it. I'd invite you to turn to Psalm 127. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 127. In Psalm 127 is a a beautiful passage written by Solomon. You may ask, who's Solomon? Solomon was the son of David, the most famous king of Israel. Solomon, by the way, uh, was the smartest man to walk the, wor- the earth apart from Christ. Solomon made some very, very wise choices when he was young, and God granted him to have wisdom, not just beyond his years, but beyond anything that anybody else had. And so God gave him incredible wisdom, and he wrote to us a number of books He wrote to us the book of Proverbs, which we call the wisdom book. He also, towards the end of his life, wrote Ecclesiastes, which is a book of reflections. And the funny thing about people that have brains, smarts, a lot of times they don't always follow what they know to be true. That would be true for all humans. So many times we will choose to go down a path that we know that is not necessarily a good path. Sometimes we make choices. And here the wisest man on earth at the end of his life, he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, It's all empty. It is all pointless. All of your toil, all of your labor, it's empty, it's vain. I love how reading in my dad's Bible as I was young, I'm trying to understand it, that particular passage in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And I didn't know what a vanity was. I thought it was something in the bathroom. Because uh, I would hear some, doing something at the vanity, well, emptiness, pointless. It's pointless. It's it's it's. There's no value to it. And here's the wisest man that ever walked. He says, "Hey, life is empty. Life is void." You know. The sad thing about the life of Solomon is that he was the wisest man that ever ever walked the earth apart from Christ, and he didn't pay attention to his own wisdom, much less his wisdom book. And all of his writings, even a couple of psalms that he wrote, this is one of them, 
They're all tied together beautifully. Shows his wisdom again. But it's an amazing thought, a powerful thought. And this morning I want us to, to look at Psalm 127 and think about the fact that if life's worth, work is to make sense, it must have as its foundation Christ. So Psalm 127, a, a short passage here, and I'll read it. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons, children, are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Life's work. I want us to think about this. If we could take life's work, and all of you have a life's work. Life's work, first of all, building a home experiencing or developing or participating in community, developing a career, and building or raising a family. Perhaps we could boil down all of life's efforts that we could think of into perhaps those categories. Building a home, experiencing community, developing community, developing a career, building a family must have its foundation built upon Christ. Or life's work is to make, if life's work is to make sense, it's got to have its foundation built upon Christ. So let's look at these verses and I want us to think about this in the light of who is writing this particular psalm to us. First of all, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Similarly, if the Lord does what? What does the scripture say? Unless the Lord what does what? Watches over the what? The city. The watchmen stand guard in vain. What would this say to us? It's not very difficult, pretty straightforward. If life's work is to make sense, it must have Christ as its foundation. All of our striving to build a home, mom and dad, to raise kids, 
you, 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 you get married, you find the one that you love, and you, you pursue them, and you, and, you, and you get married, and you want to establish a home. The wisest man that ever, that ever walked the earth, apart from Christ, says this, unless the Lord builds it, you're laboring in vain. Your striving is in vain. You can find yourself in a situation that is absolutely crazy trying to do something that's right. I want us to think about this for a second. As believers, okay, you come here, you, you, you say you want to be a follower of Christ, and you try and establish a home. What would it look like to try and build a home on your own? apart from Christ. What might that feel like? Solomon says it's empty. It's vain. Because your relationships, within the relationships with the home, if it's not founded upon Christ, will be founded upon who? Me and my wants and my desires. And when those things get out of, out, of, out of order, you have chaos. People build homes. Watchmen guard cities, but if it's done in our own flesh, relationships become broken. Why? Because we're selfish. We seek our own. God's design for the home is clearly laid out in Scripture. God's desire for husbands, you know this. Husbands are to do what to their, their wives? Someone tell me. Someone tell me enthusiastically. Husbands are to what? Love their wives. When we do this apart from Christ, husbands tend to love themselves. How, what is God's design for wives? Wives are to what their husbands? Are to respect their husbands. Wives left to their own way apart from God tend to not respect their husband, and tend to what? Want to do what? They're called to, you know, we, we use that S word. Sub, hmm. Wives left to their own don't submit. Children are called to, laid out to, this is laid out clearly in Scripture, are to do two things to their parents. They are to honor and Obey. Oh, that's so tough. That is difficult. Children left to their own dishonor and disobey in their own, in their own way. You leave Christ out of the equation, and we tend to do that. And oh, by the way, we do that in Christian homes as well. Cities 
that are left abandoned with no leadership or no protection, the watchman is there to watch. And if they don't do what they're supposed to do, what happens? Chaos, danger, a city falls. And Solomon paints this picture here and he says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. And then he says something that's kind of interesting. You have to, all, you have to realize that this sounds a little bit like, hey, whatever happens, happens. Verse 2, in vain, it's vain, it's empty, it's pointless, it's useless to rise up early. Hey, so let's sleep in. And to stay up late, toiling for food, for he grants sleep to those. Hey, if God grants sleep, oh, let's sleep some more. That's a good thing. And, you know, some days it's good to do that. We need rest. It's not what it's saying. The rest of, 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 of Solomon's writing says, hey, don't be a sluggard. Go to the ant. Observe what he does. You, you, you put away, you save, you invest, you work. It's a good thing to do. But what he's saying here is if you're constantly driven to that's all that you do is work and work and work, it's vain, it's empty. It's not going to accomplish more. Some wise words from a wise man and the gift that God gives is rest. So back to our thought. If life's work is to make sense, it must have its foundation built upon Christ. Solomon takes it a step further. He moves into a, a little bit more intimate. Rather than uh, something very, very broad, such as you know, building a house or a home and uh, watching or guarding a city, he steps and brings it even further. He says this. He says, sons are a heritage for the Lord. We like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. That's a, it's a blessing. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. And I'm going to have a whole bunch in my quiver. Yeah. You know. There's even a website out there called something like Full Quiver. Check it out whenever you. Yeah. That was free. Blessed is the man whose, whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gate. I begin to think more and more about what God's plan is and, and our life's work. And as we're launched into a new year, and I'm thinking about the families in our church. And what I mean by families aren't just, isn't just those who are married. I'm thinking about every individual family group, as, if you were. If you're single, this is for you. If you're married, this is for you. If you're a, a parent, this is for you. If you're a child, this is for you. I'm thinking out as here, here, at, here we are at the, the, the beginning of a new year and we're being launched out. And Tim beautifully laid out a, a challenge for us last week about relentlessly pursuing the social, spiritual, and cultural good for our community. That is what it looks like to make fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's what we're about. I'm excited for that. 
But I'm thinking more and more about how in the world, what is this going to look like? And if we don't have Christ as the foundation of our life, if we don't do that, we are going to be working and doing and and, and tire ourselves out just as much as I did trying to dig that little moat to protect my home, to protect my kingdom, my creation, what I, I I had built and it was futile. It was empty. And that's what, that's what Solomon is saying. It's empty. And we try to do that. We'll find ourselves in just ridiculous situations thinking that we can do that. And we'll make poor choices. Poor choices in relationships. Poor choices in the way that we talk to people. Poor choices about how we invest our time. And we could absolutely waste opportunities. We'll put ourselves sometimes just in dangerous situations. Something has to be done, so I'm going to do it. And it's crazy. But that's sometimes our tendency is to do that. And if life's work is to make sense, we must have as its foundation the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? I'd like for us to think for a second about one other book that Solomon wrote. Practically, how can we really, okay, if Christ is to be the foundation of our life's work, how does we make that work? One of the the most famous passages of Scripture that was written is in the book of Proverbs from this wise man that spoke to us. And he says this, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Can you say that with me? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Say that with me again. In all your ways, acknowledge him. One more time. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Make your path straight. When I read this, it was as if a little light bulb went off in my brain. And that's a scary thing sometimes. Surprising at other times. Um, He will make your path straight. It brought me back to our passage. And and it it brought me back to to the passage because I was thinking, okay, most of our paths are not straight. True? True? Most paths that I don't know, uh, that I know of, are they're not always straight. Sometimes they have straight parts, but they're not always straight. And I was thinking about launching out into a new year, and I was brought to our uh, our passage. And there's an illustration here that jumped out at me. In verse 4, it says this, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. So I did some study on arrows, okay? You're not going to be impressed because I am not an arrow expert. I'm not an arrow hunter or bow hunter. See, I'm already showing it. Um, But I do have some arrows here, okay? And these are arrows, wood, and I'm guessing fiberglass and fiberglass as well. 
And so to, to show you some, some things that, that I've, I've learned in my study about arrows, because that's an interesting phrase, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, okay? What is an arrow's job? Its job is to fly to the target, okay? Here in the passage, like a warrior, okay, so we've got a warrior image and like arrows in a warrior's hand, okay, so the warrior is going to shoot the arrow in defense of or to conquer something. We got that? It's pretty simple, okay, so parts of the arrow, this is the shaft, this is the pointy thing at the end, this is a knock, do I have that right? A, a, a knock, and it it the bowstring fits in it, and you pull it back. But I've been told that the most important thing on the arrow is the fletching, not feathers. the The fletching. Why? Because what does the fletching do? Maybe I should 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 get there. Here we go. That's that. Fletching. They're the feathers on an arrow which stabilize it during flight. The fletching allows the arrow to spin and fly more efficiently and effectively towards its intended target. Yes. This particular arrow, which for safety reasons we have removed the point, um, it's pretty useless. Um, what's happened to the, the fletching? Can you see? It's not there. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, this one has two. But as I understand it in my deep study of arrowmanship, most of these arrows have three fletchings, okay? Am I right? Hunters, can you help me here? I, I, I called a couple of hunters last night, and they're all not here today, and so I didn't get a whole bunch of help. Um, so the internet and, and Google has really helped me here. So, uh, but most of these arrows, the most modern arrows have three fletchings, and so I, I want to throw out to us this morning, three stabilizers for us. Because life's work, if it's to make sense, must have as its foundation, it must have its foundation built upon Christ. And if we are to, as a church, relentlessly pursue the social, spiritual, and cultural good, in order for us to make fully devoted followers of Christ, as we launch out into 2014, I think to have three fletchings on us as we launch out, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, I'd like to suggest, just, these are just three suggestions to help us as we launch out into 2014. That will help each and every one of us, not just families, but each and every one of us individually 
reach our intended target. For we are created and launched, we have been launched to represent Christ in all we do. True? That's what we're here for. Three stabilizers. First of all, this is a, a, a kind of a no-brainer. Hey, get into the Word. Get into the Word. Can I encourage you? Perhaps even today, if you've never tried, um, there are more Bibles and Bible plans to help you read the Bible than ever. Go to, go to www.bible.com, version. Beautiful, uh, a ton of ways to help you get into the Word. You can even have it on your, your mobile app. You can have it on the computer. You can print it out if you want. You can actually, actually use a Bible. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew by you. We say this all the time. Pick it up. Use it. Get into the Word. In the pages of the Bible, if you are to actually use this to help stabilize you, you will discover not just the big story of God and what he's done for us. You will discover who God intended you to be. More importantly, you'll discover who you really are in Christ. And when you come to know and understand who you are in Christ, that will shape you in unbelievable ways. You'll come to discover and understand what grace is and how to extend grace to others. You'll come to know and understand how you have been shaped and influenced and, and, and purposely um, created by God to represent him where you are. You will understand how you have been set free from who you used to be before you came to know Christ and that you are no longer a slave to sin, that you are no longer enslaved to your past. God has set you free. And so the stabilizer number one is to get into the Bible. And once you get into the Bible, please really come to understand and know who you are, your identity in Christ. And then finally, the other stabilizer that I would say to help you and me as we launch out into 2014 would be to serve others passionately. Three simple fletchings to help you and I fly, launched out into a world that Christ loved, into a world that Christ calls us to represent him in. This is the life's work that God has called us to do. And life's work, if life's work is to make sense, it has to be founded upon Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We acknowledge him in all our ways. We acknowledge him in all our ways. Can you say it with me? We acknowledge him in all our ways. And how do we acknowledge him in all our ways? As we're launched, three things. Get into his word. When you get into his word, understand who you are and how you've been shaped and what you're here for and serve people, and love people passionately. Because if we don't do that, if we don't do that, we'll be like this arrow that could be launched, but it would be aimless. It could get out of control. And actually, I've been told, or I've read, 
that it could actually fly like this without those fletchings. And we can put ourselves in crazy situations, unbelievable situations. We're on our own. It sounds like a good idea, and I think I'm going to do this. And, 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 and I, can, I can make this happen. I've, this is good intentions. There's some work that has to be done, and I'm going to do it. But we could find ourselves in absolutely crazy situations if we don't understand that life's work, if it's going to make sense, it's got to have the foundation built upon Christ. How do we do that? We acknowledge him in all our ways. Here are three, three, situations, three suggestions for you. Get into his word figure out who you are, why you're here, and love each other. Love other people passionately. That is an incredible foundation that we can be launched from for 2014 as families and individuals representing Christ and Grace Point Church. I trust this will help you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look to you. We thank you so much that you love us enough to interact with us. We thank you for the wisdom that Solomon shares with us and gives to us. And Lord, I pray that we would not be like him and forget the wisdom that you gave to him. Pray, Father, that as we look to go and influence others and love people and represent you, Lord, help us to acknowledge you in everything that we do. And I pray that these three fletchings would mark us as we launch out into 2014. These things we pray in Christ's name.